Hello, I'm the Professor. While we were recording this episode of Nerds Amalgamated, we discovered that when it rains, my internet gets very spotty. So my audio comes and goes a little bit. If it's too much, skip to 18 minutes. That's where we gave up and tried to finish the recording another day. I hope you enjoy the episode. Back to Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the Professor and my co-host are Buck and the DJ. How are you going, Buck? I'm awesome. Thank you for asking. What about you, DJ? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Another fun day. Another Thursday. <gasps> what? <laughs> We've just given away a recording date. Now the stalkers will find us. <sighs> so, okay. Buck, uh, you're, you sound slightly more interesting. What is so awesome? Um... Well, we've been getting lots of rain and there's some fires have been getting dampened and put out by the rains. Um, I didn't have to see any politicians and nut jobs today, so that's another bonus. Um, and life is just generally good. Well, since life is so good, why don't uh, you start us off tonight, Buck? Okay, I will certainly do that, Professor. Um, my topic this week is about the research into a protein called cestrin. So as everyone knows, um, exercise is always good for the body, the brain, etc. But one of those golden dreams of companies around the world is how can you harness the benefits of a great workout while actually doing nothing? And it turns out um, Michigan Medicine researchers might have actually done it by this but by looking at this naturally occurring protein called cestrin that mimics many of the effects of exercise. But unfortunately, it's only in flies and mollusks at the present time, but it's something. The result of this is it can assist with combating muscle wastage and fatigue due to issues such as aging and other courses, but also assisting with maintaining and retaining muscle for astronauts in space travel. So, yeah, researchers have um, observed that cestrin accumulates in muscle following exercises, according to Myungjin Kim, PhD, a research assistant professor in the Department of Molecular and Integrative Physiology. So, yeah, their first step was to encourage flies to actually join a gym and do a workout. So they had a particular fly called the Drosophila, which has its normal instinct is to climb up and out of a test tube. Drosophila is uh, just regular fruit flies. Mm. So what they did is they um, built a treadmill on a test tube and put the flies in and um, had them working out and doing exercises. And they found regular flies can usually run around for up to six hours and normal flies' abilities improved over the period of doing the workout, but the flies that didn't have the cestrin did not improve with exercise. So if you haven't got cestrin, you don't actually get the results from the workout, apparently. Thanks. I've got a new excuse for being fat. (laughs) Roger, I had a special one for you in the um, pre-show discussion. Yes. We've, we've, we've now got the excuse of we're, we're lacking in cestrin. <laughs> um, what's more, though, is when overexpressed, cestrin in the muscles of normal flies, essentially maxing out the cestrin levels, they found those flies had abilities above and beyond those trained flies who'd been working on running away on the treadmill, even though they didn't do any exercise. So, yeah. Now I wonder what the uh, combination would do. Um, so flies with the ridiculously high overexpressed cestrin. Well, apparently they didn't develop any um, further endurance when they did exercise. Okay. So by maxing out your cestrin level, you get your peak performance of your muscles and so forth without actually doing any exercise, and exercise becomes null and void. Then we just got to work out a way of getting rid of the fat. We'll be healthy enough well, to move around. We just need to get rid of the fat. It says that it uh, improves fat burning, so... Well, yeah, muscle mass does that, so 
But um, the thing that I'm liking here is it prevents atrophy in muscle. That's immobilized. So when I was talking before about for space travel, um, one of the things they look at for long-term flights for space travel is the um, extended sleep period where you're in a state of suspended animation. Um, if you're, if anyone's done any um, research into coma patients, one of the biggest concerns that they have there is the atrophy of muscle. So even though they do exercises to move the arms and legs and body motions around as much as they can with um, coma patients, you still get atrophy of the muscle from lack of um, proper use. So this could be a way of helping to reduce that and also for being stuck sitting in, in a spaceship for months on t- at an end. So, yes. Unfortunately, um, Sestrin supplements are not on the horizon at the moment. So That's okay. Small- they can wait a few years. <laughs> They're, well, they're not small molecules, but they are working to find small molecule modulators of Cestrin. Well, there are other variations of um, exercise in a pill type of things, like, for example, thermogenics. Yeah, that just makes you sweat more. That doesn't, it's, that's not a healthy way of um, improving muscle performance. That just means that when you, um, so thermogenics is when, uh, supplement you take so that when you do work out, you increase your body core temperature a lot more and you burn a lot more fat, so you burn off a lot more calories and so forth due to the extent ex- – pardon me – due to the elevated um, core body temperature, you burn more body fat. So, yeah, that's a, a different process altogether. As a risk of taking too much of that stuff and basically cooking yourself – which um, doesn't seem like it would be possible with Cestrin. Yeah, with um, the thermogenic ones, most of them, if you're getting from regulated um, sources, if you take too much, it doesn't actually make you, your core temperature rise above a certain level. Um, so if you have too much of it, it just makes you poop funny, <laughs> which, let's face it, another way of um, losing weight. <laughs> just Yeah, but um, yeah, no, the, the whole thing with the Cestrin is looking... Like it's got a lot more use, not not necessarily for helping um, people like the professor and myself to lose weight and get healthy, although it'd be nice, but more for improving longevity and so forth for our, our aging population and also for situations such as coma patients and space travel, which is where we all want to be. Can you imagine in the in, in the future with blood tests and the doctor will say, okay, you've, your cestrin levels are pretty high. You have the potential to lose weight. You just need to um, you you just need to exercise now because you have a very high cestrin levels. Well, that's what you don't need to exercise when you're on cestrin. The uh, the flies that had cestrin didn't see any additional benefit, at least in terms of endurance. It's possible cestrin would be a no exercise weight loss aid, which you hear about every but maybe this is the one yeah like this is this is show, showing some real promise in the results so if they can get the molecular modulators up to a certain level um yeah it'd be awesome um yeah i was actually just thinking like um with things such as parkinson's i've seen where they use cannabis oil to help calm the brain and that's also it's got a thing with um, the muscular aspect. So I'm wondering whether this might actually help with that as well. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, what about stem cells as well? You stem reckon cells are an entirely different thing. True, but then they also they also do help out in fixing uh, muscles as well, wouldn't don't they? Like in case um, of muscles to atroph- atrophied. Stem cells are for growing thing, growing. So at, with at- the atrophy, it's lack of movement and use of it Hmm. um and yeah just putting stem cells in there isn't going to make it regrow so that's i they might it might have some effect on there i'm i'm not entirely sure but i'm very iffy on stem cells because of how they harvest stem cells it can be very very unethical because you you do realize how they harvest a lot of some stem cells don't you yeah yeah but it's a very big, big topic, a separate big topic in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, everything on um, I can see on the Sestron is looking really, really good. So. Can you imagine um, gym companies all now saying, like, introducing this awesome new protein powder with Cestrin, the one, one, one protein that could help you exercise more, more, more. But it doesn't help you exercise more. Oh, no, but, they could, you know, marketing can spin it to make it sound like an, an appealing product. Yeah, well, instead of doing it that way, wouldn't it be Cestrin? The supplement you take so you can sit on your back backside longer and not have to exercise. Yeah, that could work. That, that, that might be true, yeah? Well, I think that I reckon my um, approach is going to sell more products because <laughs> it'll, it'll get all the um, gaming nerds to come and join us. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine all those um, League of Legends players and the World of Warcraft players going like, "Oh, up, give me five minutes. I go get my Cestrin shot." <laughs> Pew! All right, I'm good. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Cestrin becomes the next steroid. <laughs> well, even steroids are becoming second rate. Like, there's a whole. That's a whole different topic to look at there, but yeah, oh, the professors run away. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you there. There's the whole steroids thing. So, um, well, while the professors away, we we shall um, move along. Um, what have you got for us this week, DJ? Oh, I've got a very interesting story that's come out this week. Um, is, is it is it that, is it really interesting? Well, well, let's see now. Um. Violet Evergarden has been a good series. I love the fact that I just stumped you there by asking you a question. Hey, I'm just saying that it's, it, well, I could be talking about the Oscars <laughs> and how interesting that was. Uh... <laughs> Notice the grumble in, the, in Buck's voice. <laughs> he knows he hates awards shows. I don't hate awards shows. I'm just sick and tired of Hollywood stroking themselves. Yeah, yeah that that that's true as well. <sighs> but there's um, so many things I could say, and I'd probably get in trouble for all of them. <laughs> Imagine if, if we put on put this on YouTube, like demonetized. <laughs> um, I reckon we could probably put a um Patreon beside it and. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would rake in lots of money. <laughs> we could just uh, have one video buck rants about <laughs> the Oscars. <laughs> oh. So um anyway, so Kyoto Anime's um Violet Evergarden, that's been a very big series. Everyone loves it. Um mm-hmm. so word has been coming out that um there will be two film projects and Ooh. um when that news came out, people lost their minds. They were all overjoyed. They were pretty cool, happy about it. Like, yes, finally, a Violet Evergarden movie. I want this. And then all of a sudden, the tragic Kyoto anime fire happened. And um, one of the film projects was delayed on t- to a to release in April. But... That's not too uh, bad. Like, we can survive with that. Yeah. But uh, recent news has came out that um, one of the films is continuing on, on its release. Um, it came out in last September in Japan, and it's going to have a US release, thanks to Funimation, um, on set, which, which announced on Saturday that it will screen Violet Evergarden 1, Eternity, and the Auto Memory Doll. So they're thinking about, they haven't announced a concrete release date, but um, they will, it's early 2020. So that's, um, that's, the, that's the release date for, so far. And, okay. it come, yeah, and it will come in original Japanese with English subtitles. So no dub. Okay. I can go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although this, one, this one's not part of the main story. It's a side story though, which is. Yeah, that's all cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the story. So what there's from what I've gathered, they're saying that um, the story is based around Violet Evergarden meeting a, a noble woman who feels trapped within society's rules. And um, yeah, what the um, character is a young woman um, who, from a noble household of York who is currently feeling cold about her future. So um, I see um, Minori Shihara Hari Hara. Sorry, 
mm-hmm. is performing the theme song. Yes. Amy. That's going to be something to look out for. Yeah, she's she's a pretty pop. She's a really good singer. I loved her works. Mm-hmm. Like like the Violet Evergarden songs are they're beautiful to listen to. Yes, I um actually loaded up the um original soundtrack while I was working on an assignment, and it was actually quite relaxing. Did you did you cry in the middle of the soundtrack as well? No, I know I, I felt a bit teary eyed when I heard the soundtrack as well though. I didn't didn't feel teary eyed. It just it was um just one of those nice pleasant songs to have in the background. Yeah, like all the different bits and pieces of music. So um, I'll actually give you a link to Amy's song in the show notes. Nice. But, yeah, no, um, it's one of the things I enjoy with a lot of these um, anime movies is with the soundtrack you get some really good music that's just pleasant to listen to, gently in the background when you're doing other things. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You can also use it to hype yourself up with some of them, though, because it's uh, especially like with um, yeah, uh, what's it, Mobile Suit Gundam? Mm. Yeah, that's and true. Some of the true. others they got they just the total opposite way of going. So yeah, um, Funimation also um, did, a, did a brief um, summary of the anime, mm-hmm. and it's basically Violet Evergarden comes to a private woman's college to tutor Isabella in the ways of being a lady. Heir to the York family, Isabella feels trapped in this new and uncomfortable world. She still grieves for the only person to ever bring her happiness, now lost to her. Violet's lesson do give her a brief respite from the melancholy, but with the absence of joy, how long does it take to truly heal? Mm. Which is really—it's a pretty—it's—it's um, a pretty uh, nice plot. Yeah. Um. One one of the big things with um, Violet Evergarden is just the. Uh, insanely detailed artwork oh yeah yeah um it's like you get some some anime where it's not the the most detailed artwork but then you get some of them such as this that are just insanely insanely well drawn so yeah yeah so there with so with this um release of the of the spin-off there will be there are hopes that the future the future film Violet Evergarden, the movie might might bring in some interest as well. So I hope, I hope it does. Like I, I want um, Kyoto to truly come back strong because this is one of those projects that's yeah. really good. You okay? This may sound a bit controversial, but do you reckon this rivals Miyazaki's works? No, no, no. Um, because it, it's more of a compliment because to Miyazaki, it's because it's a it's it's great work on its own, but it's not the same style. Like it's just Miyazaki's Miyazaki. This is a different style of story, and the artwork is different as well. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's like trying to compare an orange and a mandarin. Both great, but they're not the same. Makes sense. Yeah. What do you reckon, Professor? I think the professor's lost for words in in your. <laughs> <laughs> He's dropped into the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> Quick, professor. Which is quite quite fitting, considering um, considering what his topic is. <laughs> are you there, professor? Hello. I get little bits of professor. Are you are you over here, professor Dejo? Uh sort of. I, I, he, I think he's um slowly done. All right, we had to take a minor break there because it turns out when it rains, my internet gets flooded and stops working completely. <laughs> and I'm looking at the weather radar now, and the rain is coming in again, so... Oh, when it rains, it pours. It does. We're very glad for this, though. Yep. Especially the uh, the farmers and the firefighters out west at the moment. Although, um, it is still... There's still a lot of fires down in um, Victoria, so yeah, we, we our thoughts are still with you guys down there. Hmm. Yep. But anyway, uh, continuing on with uh, where we had to leave off last last time, uh, we have some new Star Citizen news, which I know Buck is going to be very pleased about. <laughs> Crytek has sued Cloud Imperium as of a couple of years ago for releasing two games on a license that only allowed them to release one game using the CryEngine license. But um, Crytek have now put out a motion to dismiss without prejudice 
because it's taken Cloud Imperium so long to release either game. So at the moment, there's only the alpha of uh, Star Citizen out that they don't think they have a case at the moment. So as soon as I expect, as soon as um, as soon as Squadron Forty Two comes out, Crytek will be right back on this. <laughs> By the time the Quadrant 42 comes out, Crytek would never exist. It would just be, yeah, we got spoiled out by Disney. <laughs> well, that's a good question because uh, Crytek have been struggling for money for a couple of years now. Now, will they be bought out by Disney or Nintendo? Hmm. Or will Nintendo become a subsidiary of Disney by the time we actually see anything from these guys at all? <laughs> We'll bow down before the mouse. <laughs> will, will we? Will we be living on Mars? <laughs> will there the be mouse a real life Mars? <laughs> will there be a real life Squadron Forty Two when that when when we get a computer game version of Squadron Forty Two? Well, there's still Euro Truck Simulator, so there's still going to be demand for a computer version of Squadron Forty Two, even if you can go and hop in your spaceship and go and fight rebels right now. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like one of the like in those the, the, the science fiction movies where I'm going to play some classic. I'm going to play some classical music. They turn around, they push play, and now comes um, Bon Jovi or Metallica. Yeah. Yes. Although, can you still count them as retro games if they haven't been released yet? Can we actually count them as games? <laughs> retro or otherwise? Forty two. No. Star Citizen has an alpha, which is close to the bare minimum. See, the, the, the game there is kind of like a casino. It's a gamble on is something going to happen. <laughs> yes. And, um, and at the moment, the, the, the race is between Keith Richards being named the God Emperor of the Cockroaches after the fall of mankind and Star Citizen actually eventuating in some marketable form. <laughs> odds What's are your- on odds odds on favorite is Keith Richards, by the way. Hey, Star Citizen has been in marketable form since the Kickstarter. That's how marketing works. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that, that, that that's that's a, a vision and a dream of can we make something happen? We have an idea. Give us your money. <laughs> but if your Kickstarter has shitty marketing, you're not gonna me you go unless you're that guy who wanted to make potato salad i don't know there have been some there, there have been some really shitty kickstarters that well not kickstarters indiegogo campaigns that ended up that collected a lot of money uh, case in point um nostalgia critic and his um and his funding attempt which turned out to be absolutely horrible horrible in the end um i can't remember that one so i'm gonna say that's your opinion it, it, it may well be true but i don't remember it so Fair enough. Anyway, back to the uh, the main topic at hand. Uh, Star Citizen has raised about three hundred million dollars in total, and their um, finance reports say that they've spent about two hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and fifty million of that. But uh, the interesting part about this lawsuit is that Star Citizen reckon that they've changed engines to Lumberyard, which is an Amazon fork of CryEngine. A few years back, Amazon bought a license to fork CryEngine and developed a version that integrates with AWS and the other Amazon products. But uh, as part of this court case, CIG have basically had to say, no, we haven't made the switch. So I have no idea what's going on inside CIG at the moment. I don't know. It's it, it's. I mean, we know that ch- they're um, working on a twenty verse twenty combined arms mode, which has a pretty cool trailer. But uh, you can see in the trailer, it's in-game footage, and you can see the optimization issues. Also, some weird editing of the uh, the live stream of the event where they announced that because it just randomly cuts back to the host's face a couple of times, and the host is just standing there looking dead bored because he has nothing to do. Yeah, my. I, I I just can't see this. Um, the even with the gameplay, it's just it just doesn't look feasible to be um to get the engine change. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think you know what you're talking about because it's the same engine just with AWS features. So it's a pretty simple changeover. Um, it's not like changing from uh, Unity to Unreal. 
Yeah, but honestly, there's so many, like, they're so not far along that it wouldn't matter even if they had to change. Um, so you talk, so Professor, you're talking about the Alpha 3.7 trailer that came out a couple of months back, right? No, I'm talking about the Theatres of War trailer, which uh, okay. is in the show notes there. Uh, okay, yep, fair enough, yep. So is the, have they still got, what was that? The, um, there was, they had one of the ship packs you could buy. It was re- officially, re- it's, uh, um, it was $27,000 or something from memory. Yeah, for a, uh, that's the complete pack, all the content that they've released. Uh huh. $27,000 for all the content that they've released, and it's still only an alpha stage game. Yeah. So when they actually release a game, given these fact, these prices, it's going to be like a million dollars to buy it. Well, if you buy the complete pack with all the ships, the idea is that if you buy the starter pack for forty dollars or thereabouts, uh, no, 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 no. If they're selling the ship, if they're, if they're selling the entire thing at twenty seven thousand, it's like GameStop might only give you forty dollars for the twenty seven thousand dollars <laughs> ship pack, but if they're selling the yeah. ship pack at at twenty seven thousand, there's no way they're going to be able to. Like, I'll put it this way: if you pay twenty seven thousand dollars for the entire pack, right, and then they release the starter game at forty dollars, so you the starter game, game gets you one ready? ship. It gets yeah, you one got- ship out of all of them, and none of the extras. The twenty seven thousand dollar pack is everything that you can get as a microtransaction or an in game purchase. <laughs> okay, so, so that better be. Um, let's see. Um, the Rebel Alliance, Starfleet, um, <laughs> the Central Planets Alliance, like all of their ships with all the upgrades. There's not dinner, that many ships. And a dinner, yeah, but for four, but you know what I mean. Like forty dollars, you get one sh- one basic ship. Twenty seven thousand dollars. That is a heck of a lot of ships. Yeah, like if I what what if you pay twenty seven thousand dollars and then they bring out the game for forty dollars, are you going to sit there and just go? Oh no, it's fair enough. That's all good. That's the game fine. is already out for forty dollars. You can buy the starter pack now for forty dollars, or you can buy the everything pack for twenty seven thousand. <laughs> okay. That is one heck of a loot box, if you ask me. Yes. Yeah, I, I reckon there might be a few people who might be looking at on the um, going postal sort of thing. Well, there's already a guy who's tried to sue them for not delivering, and he then went and kept purchasing ships after his lawsuit was dismissed. Was it was 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 that Donald Trump thinking he was purchasing the space force? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I'm gonna buy Space Force. This is fake news. <laughs> I'm sorry, like it's a collection of 117 ships for $27,000. Yeah, you can save up in-game currency and buy them that way. I don't know if that's possible in the alpha or what the exchange rate will be. Hmm. <laughs> that's you're making it's anything money. like anything like a mobile game. That exchange rate is not going to be fine. <laughs> like, can you can you can you see how many organised crime groups are going to be getting involved in this? Like, remember with um, <laughs> the uh, World of Warcraft, there was there were people going around and hacking to steal stuff and then selling it online as to people. Like, you'll get. Your grandma will get a phone call saying it's the the tax office, and we need you to buy us a, uh, a carrier class ship. <laughs> yeah, because for some like- reason the tax office these days only takes payment in iTunes gift cards, right? Mm-hmm. So in the future it'll be in carrier class ships. And apparently, and the sad thing is, there's actually people who are being dumb enough to actually go through and do that. So yeah, I can actually see that working. I was actually looking more at the fact like with um, World of Warcraft that there was the big series of hacks that were going on where people, and as far as I know, it's still happening where people are st- stolen content from other people's accounts and then they're auctioned it off on online and all that for real currency. Yeah. I seriously, I, I'm 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 looking at this and if this actually does come out and to and go 
really big. I'm going to go and learn how to hack just so I can go and steal someone's 117 ships and I'll sell it at a rock bottom price. <laughs> just, to, just so that they've got to try and justify, I paid my 27000 and I've got no ships. I mean, realistically, you could learn to hack and hack someone's account now and get access to all of their ships anyway. No need to wait. <laughs> I could I could go and find some of those rich people who and have got all this and I could have an I could have five or six fleets of ships. And if the AFP are listening, we do not endorse this activity. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, is this yeah. It's like, it's like Bucky all of a sudden has turned into Robin Hood. <laughs> And the sad thing is, okay, the article I've just looked at that's saying about the $27,000 ship pack, that was from two years ago. <laughs> I'm so sure that probably... Added, uh, since then, I know they've added a $600 mine layer. So, okay, so now that, that ship pack's probably like $36,000. Jesus and, Christ. And it's, and it's probably only worth um, $45 at GameStop if you tried to trade it in. In-store credit <laughs> that as well. It's online store, so you can't trade it in like a Steam game. Oh, okay, you'd have to like sell your account, I assume. But <laughs> even if there was a way, you're right. GameStop, BB Games, any of them, ten bucks yep. for the lot. Yep. Uh, I always have so so much of a laugh. At, like this is this is the the. The most ongoing source of comedy for me. I'm sorry, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and, and the saddest part about Star Citizen is the fact that they're not attacking. It's like they're attacking the person's reasoning for this game. That's no, the- honestly, I I reckon if they could actually get something happening, like and like really start getting it out there, and not just an alpha. I mean, like actually having so it was released. It would probably be a brilliant game, but they've just got to get out there and make it happen. And it's not for lack of funds. Yeah. You could buy yourself an army of Russian computer programming hackers to build your game. Uh, that would be a mistake. The uh, the kind of Russian programmers you can hire on the internet are not the people you want writing your critical code. Huh. I mean, where's the common sense in all this? That's the problem. I, I reckon just having... Anyone yeah. writing code, like you can hire an army of pigeons to type out code faster. Don't, don't speak too loudly about common sense, DJ. <laughs> oh, yes, I will speak about common sense. <laughs> mm, it's not, not your best subject. <laughs> oh, it's. I'm surprised that even though the, the money has raised this amount, this insane amount of money, it's. Like you would not like normally other game studios would get a game out right about now and this game is still going and still pouring out ships like this ship pack, like as you said earlier on, it would go up to thirty six thousand or even maybe to make worse, might go up to even fifty thousand if we're unlucky. Mm-hmm. The most the most scary thing about all of this mm-hmm. is I can't remember what I shared with you guys previously. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A list of the most expensive games ever created. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 had a budget of $250 million. Grand Theft that's, Auto. Grand, well, that's Grand quite Theft, an old one now. Grand Theft Auto 5, budget of $265 million. That's closer. Yeah, and yet these are all games that are playable. Yeah. And being sold on the market as a finished product. Okay, yep. so and only uh, only Grand Theft Auto Five has a more predatory microtransaction structure than Star Citizen. Okay, I've got a, I've got the even list Las of- Vegas is sitting up and taking notes from Star Citizen on how to get money out of people. 
Okay, guys, I've got the list of most expensive games to develop. Number one is Star Citizen $249 for development cost. Second most expensive game to develop, Star Wars The Old Republic, $200 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always take these prices with a grain of salt because game developers don't tend to announce how much it actually costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, um, okay, so... I flipped the list to total cost with 2020 inflation. So your most expensive game, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, 298 million. Grand Theft Auto 5, 291 million. So, yeesh. Okay. Well, we'll um, give it another couple of years and see what happens then. <laughs> another couple. How, how, yeah. What's your projection? Like, is, wasn't, their proje- wasn't their projected release to be sometime this year? Or was it last year? They've been pushing it back for the last couple of years because (laughs) feature creep. Uh... I think the big issue is that they don't have a project manager who's sitting down with them and telling them to finish the uh, minimum viable product. They just feature creep. So it started off being just spaceships and the like. We're going to add ground forces. Uh, Every planet is visitable and full size and you can trade or fight or whatever. Like Elite Dangerous did started off with just the space simulation bit. Um, was made and released within a few years. I think they could probably, if they followed the Elite Dangerous model, we'd probably see more that more release by now. But the um, there's probably more differences that I haven't been following Star Citizen closely enough to see there. Anyway, uh, let's go on to our okay. um, shout outs and remembrances. Oh, oh you, 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 for, you forgot. Uh, you forgot. No, the games. I'm coming back to that. I haven't forgotten it. I haven't <laughs> forgotten the games. I'm coming back to that. But since you're so precious, you've got to do the games first. What have you been playing, DJ? I haven't played Project Darwin. Pretty nice game, to be honest with you. What's that about? Um, so it's a survival battle royale type game. Um, you get to pl- so you choose your protagonist. Um. You can customize your protagonist's appearance and whatnot, and you've you fight in the map with a couple of other people, and um, it's in a snowy area, so that's a bit of a bonus. And um, you create stuff like bonfires, arrows, and try and take each other's opponents out. So, is it got a fairly heavy survival base to it? Yeah. If you have to have bonfires, okay. Yeah. I might have to check that out. How long is an average match? An average match would go for 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Is that just because you're not very good and you die quickly? No, it's the map's too huge. Map's huge. Okay. Because the big problem I have with combining Battle Royale with Survival is that Battle Royale games are over too quickly to have Survival play a big part. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just becomes busy work. Yeah. And the only ways to um, kill your opponent, by the way, in this um, game is by is via axes or bow and arrow. You can't use any other weapons. Oh, I like that. So does it have like a, a caveman theme or something? Um, not really. No, no caveman theme. No. Okay. What's the uh, like the time period of the setting? Future. Uh, interesting. Yeah. The uh, the classic 2013 vision of the future, where every sci-fi game had a uh, crossbow. Yep. <laughs> um, the other interesting part is um, when you start the game, you can you either choose. There are three classes you choose, and they come up with th- there are three tools you have. You have either the robotic arm, the um, the jetpack, or the hunter drone, and each of them all have various advantages. Okay. Well, it looks like Bucks uh, just stepped away from his computer for a moment. Yeah. So I have been playing uh, Heat Signature. Oh, nice. This is a, a Tom Francis game, and it's basically Hotline Miami in space. <laughs> so, so a lot of gore. No, not really. The um, heat signature tones down the gore a lot, but you um, each character has a personal mission. So you start off your mission, uh, you need to raise money to buy info to track down your mission. So you'll get info, like a mission like steal an item or assassinate someone and you'll go and explore the spaceship take them out um there's a lot of items that add a bunch of variety to the different ways you can take people out or 
get in and out unseen. But the uh, eventually you raise enough money to take on your personal mission, and that's where you, uh, once you complete that, you can retire a character. And uh, But the world is persistent, so there's a sort of subplot where each character is working for a resistance and the um over time you capture more and more stations in the galaxy um i have to say i'm glad they've toned down the gore on this so i'm looking at one of the screenshots and um there's quite a lot of blood yeah so hotline miami was very brutal compared to this this has blood splatters but nothing nothing like hotline miami had okay I'm liking the fact that they were showing you could um, blow out the windows or something in one of the screenshots as well. Yeah, you can blow out the windows and suck everyone into space. (laughs) You can hijack a a turret and set it to attack uh, attack the crew. Mm -hmm. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, What's the um, shortcomings for this? Uh, The ship layout gets a bit predictable and it's mostly just corridors and rooms. Mm-hmm. But I do like that when you enter the ship, you can take out the engines or assassinate the pilot to knock it off course. Or if you want to, you can capture a ship and fly it over and use a missile launcher against the enemy ship. Okay. So if you've got an assassinate mission, you don't even have to break into the heavily defended ship. you just got to steal someone else's ship and go and blow them up. <laughs> cool. So there are numerous. So there are numerous ways of going to the mission. Yeah. Okay. So, um, how many nerdy beanies? Uh, 4.8. Out of 5? Yeah. I think with a, uh, what would make the game perfect would be a sort of a dungeon update to give you more variety to the layout of the ships. They're mm-hmm. all procedurally generated as far as I can tell. Okay. Uh, the, um, I think it would be interesting to have more different types of rooms and things you can do on board the ship. Fair enough. So if you've got DJ, how many beanies do you give Project Darwin? Um, I would give it four out of five. It's just, there are some shortcomings. It's, it's, it's a small small game, like start from a small company, but um, the shortcomings I have for this game is basically the, the same old maps, like there's no changeability in the, in the zones. Like it's just one, it's not like in... Um, Apex Legends, for example, you've got the swamp zone, you've got the air, air, um, high rise zone, you've got the lava zone. There's no variety. So, no variety in the map. Yeah, there's no variety in the map. It's there's not not enough loot in in the uh, map as well. Okay. Um, yeah, and this and the uh, control the controls if you, you have to use a controller for this game as well. Like this is not good for like a for like a keyboard setting. Why not? It's too like complicated for him. <laughs> it's more of the when you're countering an enemy and you have to try and run and aim, try and run at the enemy. And oh, the other beautiful part is you can also, um, if you're if if let's say your enemy is um swinging swinging their um axe and you're swinging the axe at the same time, no damage. It's you can hear the clink sound, which is pretty cool. But in all honesty, though, it's just um you have to try and um, time your attacks, which is pretty hard when you're tr- when, uh, on a 10-second situation. So Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So what have you been playing, Buck? I ventured into a game called Dragon Awaken, which is one I've seen advertised in different areas. And, yeah, I figured it'd be a nice, fun little no-thought sort of game. Like there's a... There is a whole big storyline behind it. I haven't really paid attention to it. Um, just something I can sit there and play quietly in the background while doing other things and just enjoy the artwork and leveling up my characters. So, yeah, it's been a fair bit of fun. So what's the actual gameplay? Um, it's a flat platform. I'm just, yeah, you have your characters, you do battle roving around the map and going to different areas and achieving different missions and so forth and um you just have your team i don't think i, I would describe it as a moba <laughs> um yeah no it's the basic storyline was from memories there's um an issue where you're fighting against dragons and yeah you, you've got a dragon on your side and you're fighting against the evil dragon to save the world and everything like that and you build up a team of different heroes that you go out and attack and beat up all the bad guys with so but it's kind of like there was that um army of angels or something similar to that sort of stuff lots of lots of pretty flashing 
colours. Um, you got a whole class of pandas where there's different um, panda monks, where they're drunk panda, battle panda, all that sort of stuff. And battle panda, you say? Yes, and you get to upgrade his armour. Cool. So it's a turn-based combat system. Nice. Yeah. So it's like the old school Final Fantasy with the the graphics and With ridiculously and huge weapons. That oh, yeah. in, that's just in Final reality, Fantasy. In reality, there's no way anyone would ever pick up one of these swords. Yeah, that's just, that's just Final Fantasy. Yeah. I think I think some some ways this is Final Fantasy on steroids. What's the biggest flaw you've seen in this game? Um, uh, just trying to read all the storyline aspects and everything. But yeah, also gets a bit monotonous at some at certain stages because uh, most of your missions just seem to be the same. So yeah, just there's a fair bit of grind to level up unless you want to go spending money on the microtransactions to speed up the process. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes, um, like honestly, if I could get a twenty-seven thousand dollars ship pack in it, I'd probably it would probably <laughs> really work well. <laughs> It'll make the game zing. But because it doesn't, that isn't an option, I can only give it three out of five. Okay. <laughs> I should just kick you from this channel. <laughs> Why? It's a valid comment. <laughs> hey, you reckon we can make a gif out of that? <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> At least he said it properly. You mean a GIF? Well, we can make a Jeff as well. Now he's gone from the channel. <laughs> Next person to say it wrong gets perma banned. Whoa. Moving on. Uh, um, <laughs> we have a very sad remembrance this week. Buck, stop laughing. It's an inappropriate moment. We have Christopher Tolkien, the son of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. He's unfortunately passed away on the 15th of January 2020. The Christopher Tolkien's known for editing and publishing his father's notes, basically filling out all of the details of Middle-earth that weren't in the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah, he uh, passed away at the age of 95 in uh, Draguignan Havar, which is in France. Thank you for that. I was just trying to find that, but I lost the uh, show notes. <laughs> now I don't have to screw up saying it. That does sound like somewhere that would be in a uh, Lord of the Rings book, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of the few people that was uh, briefly opposed to the film adaptation, though. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't just briefly. He never liked the movies. He thought they were too action. But even though they're the best fantasy movies ever made, and we wouldn't have stuff like Game of Thrones without the Peter Jackson movies. It took the Peter Jackson movies for people to take fantasy as seriously as they do these days, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's about time we had a big budget fantasy movie. There's been big budget dance movies and so forth. Yeah. Anyway, uh, our next one is uh, on the 7th of January this year. Neil Peart, the Canadian musician and writer, best known as the drummer for the band Rush, passed away at the age of 67 from glioblastoma. And on the 13th of January, 1941, James Augustine Aloysius Joyce, Um, a.k.a. James Joyce, the Irish novelist, passed away at 58 in Zurich from a perforated duodenal ulcer. So James Joyce is best known for Ulysses, which is a completely wild book. It is. Yes. he, um, He had a habit of writing in ways that are pretty hard to interpret, even back then. We also have, on the 13th of January, 1691, George Fox, founder of the Religious Society of Friends, these days known as the Quakers. He travelled throughout Britain and eventually made tours of North America and the Low Countries. He was arrested and jailed numerous times for his beliefs. He was viewed by respect, with respect by Quaker convert William Penn and Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell. He died of heart failure at 66 in London. The um, the Quakers are these days better known for being a brand of porridge oats. <laughs> That's not how you make porridge. <laughs> no, seriously, the, um, there's a brand of oats called Quaker Oats, and it's yeah. the only thing I had for breakfast for about 
uh, five months while I was in America because their cereal was so, so sugary. <laughs> oh, um, for the shout outs, we have on the 13th of January, 1928, RCA and GE installed free test television sets in homes in Schenectady, Schenectady New York allowing inventor EFW Alexanderson to demonstrate the first television receiver, which delivered a poor and unsteady 1.5 square inch picture. Sounds That's really crazy small. small. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the um, computers in the movie Brazil, where Ooh. they have these tiny little displays. So everyone just has a, like every computer has a standard, a great big magnifying glass mounted to it. Yep. That would be about the size of, um, the Dick Tracy watch and the Dick Tracy comics. Oh, yeah. Although, presumably, Dick Tracy would use a slightly safer techni- technology than cathode ray tubes. Well, they never actually said what he had in the watch, but they carry voice and picture. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking if, you, uh, if your watch wasn't completely water-resistant, the cathode ray tube might have something to say with that being several hundred volts. Yeah, that's why I might get the person's attention. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, guys. There's actually a Dick Tracy watch on Indiegogo. Okay, then. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, much simpler than a um, CRT. It's flat, and it doesn't have a proper, like, screen in it. It's just a watch with a speaker grill. Uh, I think that looks a lot better than an Apple Watch, and if Pebble made it, then I'd be into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually pretty yeah, pretty cool. It's an official product partnered with the Tribune Content Agency. Yeah. See, everyone always talks like all the communicators and stuff, like it was all Star Trek, but Star Trek got a lot of its ideas from the comics and so forth, such as Dick Tracy and a lot of the other stuff. But e, even E.E. Doc Smith um, with the Lensman series, he had stuff that was similar to this and affected a lot of the later science fiction. So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually quite stylish. It is. I'm actually wanting one now. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, they seem to be doing a limited run of uh, only a 1,000. Anyway, uh, the next shout-out is to Diego, the 100-year-old Espanola giant tortoise, who um, on the 13th of January, I know, sorry, on the 12th of January is the date on the article, announced his retirement and release from captivity after fathering upward of 800 offspring. So Diego was an endangered species of Galapagos tortoise, and they brought him into a zoo and bred him for 800 offspring to save the species. You can understand why he was moving very slowly there, can't you? (laughs) He has one heck of a drive, I will give you that. Well, he's 100 years old. Like He's the cool grandpa. He's 100 years old, and he probably still plays with the grandkids. (laughs) Uh, and so on the 13th of January 2020, an article came out announcing that Infinity Ward, Activision, and Bungie are donating 100% of the profits from their Outback cosmetic bundles to the bushfire effort. Mm-hmm. And on the same day, Lucy the Pink Helicopter was dragged out of a dam on the New South Wales south coast after Armadale pilot Lockie Onslow managed to drop it into the dam. The story is that it lost power while refilling its water bombing bucket. There were no injuries, but um, it was retrieved in a joint salvage operation by the Navy, the Army, and Hazmat. And on to famous birthdays. On the 8th of January 1947, David Robert Jones, known professionally as David Bowie, the English singer, songwriter, and actor. He was born on the 8th of January 1947, and he died on the 10th of January 19, uh, sorry, 2016, just two days after the release of his last album. Hmm. Now, uh, if you're a Bowie fan, keep an eye out because they're week by week they're releasing uh, alternative versions of his old songs and an album on Record Store Day of his 50th birthday performance. Yeah. On the 13th of January 1960, Eric Betzig, the American physicist, he is a professor of physics and a professor of molecular and cell biology at uh, University of California, Berkeley. He's also a senior fellow at the Janella Farm, the Janelia Farm Research Campus in Ashburn, 
Virginia. He worked to develop the field of fluorescence microscopy and photoactivated localization microscopy. Now, that's not um, techno babble. Do you know what that means, Buck? Um, it's using different elements to activate and view how they, like the, the different aspects of cells and elements. Because everything we. Everything looks different under different lights, and there's different things that will show up at different times and under different conditions. So, yeah, when you look at something under one form of light, it shows up in one particular way. When you look at it in another light, it will show up differently. Like they found, um, I can't remember, with, I think this is what it is anyway, but I remember with um, one of one element that they're looking at, the, or one, one of the um, jellyfish, when you looked at it under normal light, was all clear and everything like that. But when you looked at it under um, infrared light, there were aspects to it that they had never noticed before. Yeah, humans actually have stripes in infrared as well. Yeah, and also UV light shows up different. So this, I, I believe that that's the sort of thing that this is looking at. I've never actually gone and played with it, but it's, yeah, it's looking at the coloration and variation. So... When, instead of having little splotches by putting it under different lights, it shows up as smaller cell dots. So you got a clearer picture of exactly what's happening. Yeah, so he used the uh, technique to study the division of cells in human embryos and won the 2014 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the development of super-resolved fluorescence microscopy, along with Stephen Hall and William E. Moner. On the 13th of January, 1990, Liam Hemsworth, the Australian actor who played Josh Taylor in Neighbours, Marcus in The Elephant Princess, uh, William Blakely in The Last Song, Gail Hawthorne in Hunger Games, and Jake Morrison in Independence Day Resurgence. Not to be confused with his older brothers, Luke and Chris, who are also actors, must run in the family. He was born in Melbourne, Victoria. Mm-hmm. And events of interest. On the 30th of January, 1879, in the Mozart Gardens in Brooklyn, Ada Anderson completed 2,700 quarter miles in 2,700 quarter hours, earning $8,000. The event was so popular that the spectator fee was raised from 25 cents to 50 cents after five-sixths of the event had been completed. By the final day, the event ticket price was $1 for standing and $2 for reserved seating. She completed the event on the 13th of January to a venue so packed that police had to prevent additional spectators. Many of the spectators were women who regarded Anderson as the most wonderful of their sex. That's a pretty significant feat. I was trying to work out whether it means like she just made the the pace the whole time or if she just had to go a quarter mile in 15 minutes and then wait a while. I guess based on the description, it's uh, more of a marathon. Yeah. Um, from here, it's saying 2,700 quarter miles is 1,086 kilometers total. Well, I'm not sure about the whole 2,700 quarter hours, though. So It's uh, 675 hours, which is 28.1 days. Wow. <laughs> yes. And how many... Miles, did you say the quarter miles changed to, DJ? Uh, to uh, quarter miles to in kilometers that um in the unit kilometers, uh, one thousand and eighty-six kilometers. Well, it's sixty-seven point five miles, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it would be six hundred and seventy-five miles. Yeah, the same as the hours. Yeah, and walking a mile in an hour isn't a a huge pace, but keeping that up for a month is. Yes. Man, I would hate to feel the effects of walking that distance. Well, Especially when you consider the way that they would have been dressed. They're like They didn't have lightweight sports clothing. They would have been, she would have been wearing um, a heavy yeah. skirt and shirt. And Well, there's a, uh, a drawing of her using chalk to draw on the faces of sleeping spectators. <laughs> and she's wearing a... Uh, a long, well, a knee-length, um, looks quite thick. It's a knee-length sort of dress. Um, yep. The and Wikipedia has a section with uh, about her health, sleep, and nutrition. Apparently, after the second day, she started stumbling in a semi-conscious state, and uh, 
in the sleepy periods, her assistant had to prepare her to walk at the warning bell and on occasion had to send her back to the track when she hadn't completed enough laps. She uh, said the biggest problem was with blisters and the pain stopped her sleeping. And after 100 miles, the physician noted that she had a temperature of 37 degrees Celsius, a pulse 78 to 80, and her only complaints being blistered feet and anxiety interfering with, interfering with sleep. Her coach, who walked with her much of the event, was not in such good health with blisters covering his feet, exhaustion and dizziness. He uh-huh. had to retire, being replaced by one of the judges. The diet was even more crazier too. Yeah, she ate at every rest, almost every rest time, unless she was sleeping. Her diet included beef, oysters, corned beef, potatoes, cakes, and grapes. She drank beef tea, port wine, and occasionally champagne. <laughs> the diet That's... of champions. <laughs> hey, don't knock it. <laughs> if only we could give her cestrin, that would work. <laughs> I don't think she needs a Sestrin boost. I think she's got enough of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think she has Sestrin on tap. <laughs> oh, the final quarter mile was completed the fastest of all 2,700. <laughs> what is this woman? Is she like a Terminator? <laughs> I, think she, I think it was more like she got to the end of the race and was like, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can you imagine the Olympic? Uh, imagine having this in the Olympics rather than the usual Olympics, uh, Olympic walking well, that we have right now. There's entertainment as well. In between, um, in between trips, she would stop and play piano and sing. Now, see, this is what's missing from the Olympics. Instead of having the pentathlon where they're doing ten different sports, make it so it's thing. I like have another one where it's um, they have the walking race. But, in, but similar to the biathlon, where instead of shooting, you have to paint a picture or <laughs> do a dance or sing a song. I like the sound of that. Let's have Just it as have- an extreme sport. So you, you walk for a while and then you go through an obstacle course, you get to the end, you paint a picture and then sing a song while playing the piano. <laughs> And ski then, jump waiting, you have to carry a cloche down the ski jump. While drinking um, beef tea or champagne or <laughs> whatever, or even Earl Grey hot. Um, yeah, let's and let's bring an acrobatics aspect into it as well, and gymnastics. <laughs> when they go off the ski jump, there's tricks for style and all that sort and all that sort of stuff. But you gotta land on the um, rings they use for the gymnastics and then you gotta do a somersault as you pirouette off of that. You, you know what they should do? They should just merge the X games with the with the Olympics. Just make it and just go balls out like um have have skateboarding as an Olympic event. Uh, even have extreme rollerblading or uh, cliff diving as an Olympic sport. How would you make uh, cliff diving more insane though? <laughs> Um, well, we won't make it cliff diving. We'll make it extreme diving. You dive off the side of a building and you got to dive into a pool at the bottom like the (laughs) the, um, Warner Brothers cartoons. Oh. (laughs) You get points for doing doing all the tricks and all that on the way down. And then you get bonus (laughs) points for the smaller um, target pool to get into and the higher up you go. So if you go off it. If you go off, um, say, like a 37-story building and you and you want to get maximum points, you go into a like something that's like a, one of those clamshell kiddie pools for diameter. <laughs> the Olympics now with only 75% for fatalities. <laughs> <laughs> Can, you know, even better for, uh, for points, it has to come up from an ex- exploding bu- building behind, <laughs> like those action movies. <laughs> okay, well, if you can do that, We'll 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 poll for that to happen for the Olympics. Can you can you show us that happening? Yes, we will fundraise for you to jump off a a building that's being demolished, DJ. <laughs> I will be your campaign manager. We will do this. I reckon we could even get um, Star Citizen to put some money towards that one. Oh, no. <laughs> if they can make a gif out of me jumping off a building, I will do it. They can do that. They made a. Uh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> they made a gif out of Felix Baumgartner jumping off 
from the edge of space. The uh, moving on to another great uh, achievement on the 13th of January 1908, Henry Farman became the first person to fly an observed circuit of more than one kilometer, winning the Grand Prix d'Aviation. He won 50,000 francs. Flying a kilometer in 1908 can't have been too easy. And it's insane that just a few years later, aircraft were being used in war. Yeah. Uh, on the 13th of January 1976, American inventor Ray Kurzweil and the National Federation of the Blind unveiled the Kurzweil Reading Machine, the first omnifont optical character recognition system. I completely was completely surprised by that. I thought OCR was a much newer technology. Okay. So we've educated the professor. Yep. I, we can take pride in that, folks. Well, that's uh, all we have for tonight. So, DJ, where can they find us? Um, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, email through at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com, um, Facebook, Spotify, Stitcher, and that's not canon.com. All right. You guys have anything to add? Um, a shout out for an upcoming show on um, That's Not Canon is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's going to be about reading poetry. Ah, yes. The Podfather has announced that he is going to present a poetry podcast. So keep an eye out for that because it's going to include some of his own poetry, Mm -hmm. I believe, and he's doing it to practice his voiceover. And it's going to be um, numerous people. There's They're going to be reading poetry and there's going to be quite an interesting selection. Like there's, I know that there's some... um, uh, was it? There's Edgar Allan Poe for one. So something definitely worth looking out for. And uh, one of the members of TNC, Nick, is going to wants to read two shitty poems he made when he was 19. He says they're cringy as hell. <laughs> so this could be fun. Yes. Um, I have looked at the list of some of the poems that are being proffered as what people are wanting to read, and it's. It's going to be interesting to listen to. Well, you've said you you're happy to help. So, what are you going to what What do you want to read? Um, I've offered to read Edgar Allan Poe's "The Raven." Never more, never more. <laughs> the only line of "The Raven" anybody actually knows. Oh, there was more like twice the twice the tapping that I hit that I hear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, check that out when it's released. Uh, but that's all we have for this week. So we'll see you next week. Hey, right. And uh, take care of each other and keep yourself hydrated. That's Buck's line. What's going on? <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.